We've been in a series on living in joyful service to God over the last few weeks, looking at the book of James chapter 1, and we're closing out the series this afternoon. The title of the sermon is, The Blessing is in the Doing. And so if you have your Bibles, why don't you turn with me to James 1. We're going to be looking at verses 22 through 27. James 1, verses 22 through 27. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not burdle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit the widows and the orphans in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. And I want to suggest as we embark on this journey together, closing out the book of James, the the book of James in and of itself is an incredible book about obedience to God. Last week, Claudette explored the importance of listening and hearing God speak to us from James 1 verses 19 to 21. The significance of that cannot be lost on us as we explore these final verses this afternoon because James advances the listening and the hearing God a step further and gives us a very clear focus on working for those in need. The kingdom principle, friends, of serving is always a natural overflow of trusting in God to meet our own needs. This trust subsequently liberates us to serve others as belief always produces trust. And trust will always lead you to action. And this trust subsequently gives us the opportunity to minister. And so the journey for us today is to discover how to use the heart that God has given us to steward it in a way where we can develop gratitude in every area of our lives and a gratitude that will emerge as we begin to live in service to God and in love to others. The end result is that you will always unlock your full potential by moving beyond the current limitations, dismantling any confusion in your heart and augmenting your biblical understanding through decisive action. Then you are positioned to be propelled into a fresh season of service, strengthened and supported by the supernatural success of what you are achieving because you are doing everything in the name of Jesus. The blessing is always in the doing. And so you can see here, James broadly captures his thinking here over these five verses in two separate thoughts, verses 22 through 25 and 26 and 27. So we will take some time this afternoon to explore them verse by verse, conscious that many of us will have heard verse 22 before, but it's possible that we may have heard it out of context. Remember that context is very, very important when you read and study scriptures. Does anyone remember Tony Blair a number of years ago in a famous speech that he made? 
his manifesto for his government was education, education, education. I have my own manifesto for us this afternoon. Application, application, application. These verses here clearly give us the framework on how to apply God's word in our lives. And I thank God that we are part of a church here at KT where we are a doing church. We don't just hear God's word, but we actively apply it across every sector and area of society and community that God has placed us in. So, verse 22. But be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourself. So let me be clear. Straight out the gate, hearing does not equal doing much less even obeying. We need to divorce ourselves from those thoughts this afternoon. Being doers of God's word is a kingdom principle of faithful work, working primarily for the benefit of others, not necessarily yourself. Now, as I mentioned, this is always an overflow of the amount of trust that you have in God. Because if we trust God to provide for our needs, then we will always go about the Father's business. And I know that many of us will be able to testify that as we go about the Father's business, he takes care of ours. Amen? On the other hand, if we don't trust God, then we will not step out in benefit or service to others. Then what James is really saying here is that you don't actually trust God. So we can really summarize our thinking here is, How sacrificial are you in your servant-heartedness to God and to others? Whatever that percentage is, is a direct reflection of how much you trust God. We're here for relationship, not religion. He makes it very clear. His last thought summarizes that in verse 27. Belief equals trust. Trust will always lead you to action. Which prompts an uncomfortable question for us this afternoon. Are you deceiving yourself? This is what James is ultimately cautioning us against. Now, the spirit of self-deception can undoubtedly creep into our hearts and minds and spill over into how we do life, how we do church, how we do ministry, how we do family, every area of our lives. Now, the tragedy about deception is most of us believe that we can't be deceived. And so if you were to say to me, well, you know, Scott, I can't be deceived, I would suggest that you are already deceived in that thought. And the worst thing about deception is the price is always paid before you recognize that the deception has even occurred. So it's something that we need to think about in our lives. We cannot allow ourselves to be deceived thinking hearing equals doing. Verse 23, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. Verse 24, for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. Now, each and every one of us this afternoon need only to look at our family, our friends, our communities, our workplaces to see what we need to do as believers. But we need to move beyond simply acknowledging that something needs to be done and then not do anything about it. Perhaps this sermon would be a great example. You might sit here and agree with absolutely everything that I say. You might even scream amen or put up emojis on Facebook and YouTube and wherever else that you're watching this afternoon. But if it dies when you turn off the live stream, if it dies when you walk out of the building this afternoon, then this sermon has not had the impact that it needs to have in our lives. You can't sit there and say, I'm going to take action today and then walk out 
and do nothing. That's the inherent risk with life in London. We're all busy. Things get in the way. People consume our time. Other things are fighting for our efforts and time. And what happens every single time is the things of the kingdom get pushed to second place. Now, we cannot simply deceive ourselves and assume that because we have heard, read, or even been told the truth, that we have automatically processed and internalized it. That is simply wrong. Give yourself margins, friends, in your daily lives to actually sit back and reflect on everything that you need to implement on what you need to learn on how you are moving forward in your walk with God. So this sermon would be a good example. Take some time afterwards if you're making notes, which will always be a good test, to go back and look at the notes. What did you write down? What do you need to subsequently action as a result of what you have written down? Which means that we cannot overdose on sermons. Quantity does not equal quality in the kingdom of God. Too often the inherent risk for us is that we'll watch a sermon online and then we'll go out and get a coffee and then we'll come home and then oh, another church have got a ministry on so I'll watch their service and then I'll watch this and then I'll watch that. By the time you watch the third sermon you can't remember the title of the first sermon that you watched. And so divorce yourself from thinking that quantity equals quality. Less is always more in the kingdom of God and if you are able to position yourself where you can take two or three action steps any given week on something you will always move slowly but surely forward in your walk with God. Now, the reality is that without implementation, everything that we hear from this platform, everything that you hear online, everything that you are taught in your cell groups is going to be useless and ultimately worthless if we don't actually implement it. Jesus himself cautioned us against this in Matthew 7, 24. Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. But... Jesus also pointed out that there are God's blessings that come with obeying the truth, not merely knowing it. He said in John 17, verse 13, now that you have these things, you will be blessed if you do them. So it's no good even having the blessings of God. We need to be able to do them. So ask yourselves a question. What is the purpose of a mirror? It's not a trick question, don't worry. It's not even a theological question, so don't worry. A mirror, what does it do? What purpose does it actually serve? At its core, it's self-examination. Now, whether you're a man or a woman, you stand at a mirror, I assume, each day, and you, maybe you shave, you moisturize, you comb your hair, all these things. But a mirror shamelessly and consistently also exposes our flaws. It highlights areas or areas of our lives that might need a little bit of attention. Now, it's a mirror, not a photo. Thank God Instagram didn't exist when James was writing this, right? Because a photograph we can take and we can edit and we can apply filters and we can blot out, if you like, the issues and the areas of our lives that we don't want to address. A mirror gives you the truth every single time. Sometimes a photograph will do the same until we edit it. Have you ever taken a photograph and looked at it and thought, oh, I don't look good in this, change it? No, that's exactly what you look like in that moment. And so often we deceive ourselves by not knowing the truth or being able to accept it. Every single day, everywhere we go, we are presented with incredible opportunities to practically meet the needs of others. There is absolutely no greater joy you will find in your Christian life than meeting the needs of others. And I would argue that the hallmark of any church, any ministry, anywhere, 
is at the core meeting the needs of the people in those particular contexts. Now, granted, that's not totally James's focus here, but it is something that we need to recognize, the plight of the poor and the marginalized, but the principle itself still exists. Wherever you take time to meet people's needs, you're doing God's work. Verse 25 now. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, will be blessed in his doing. He uses the words, looks into. That's an interesting use of words from James. I want to suggest to you that our time spent in the word of God needs to far transcend merely glancing at it or giving it a cursory inspection each morning. Commit to giving your full and undivided attention to the word of God each and every day. It should grab your focus and consume you to the point that you are unable to be distracted by anything else that is happening in and through your life, any circumstance that you find yourself in. It has to be absorbed into your heart and mind, an imprint of everything that is emerging from your ministry. Now, I've just finished my theology degree, and I can tell you there is a significant difference between reading God's word and studying God's word. You read a newspaper, you study God's word. James highlights that for us here. It is insufficient to just tiptoe our way into the Bible, so to speak. It is negligent on our part simply just to give it a cursory look or advance thought in our day and life. It has to become our lifestyle. That's why James makes it very clear. Continue in it, persevere in it. We must immerse ourselves in it. There are two key features that separate reading and studying God's word. The first, you need to ask yourself the question about the scriptures that you're reading. What are you reading? Not question God, but ask questions about the portion of scripture that you are reading. You also need to write down and understand and take away from the text what you understood from it at the time. I do it all the time with the guys I disciple. Invariably, I will give them the portion of scripture up front before the cell meeting, you know, a day, maybe two before. And we will read it. And the first thing I will say to them is, guys, what's your opinion? What do you understand? What are you capturing? What are you taking from the verses that we're reading? And lots of guys will throw out different ideas, different thoughts, and most of them are right most of the time. But the detail is always in the scripture. And so when you start to unpack scripture verse by verse, word by word, line by line, you just see the words of God come fully alive in their lives. And we actually understand the exact audience, the exact context that the writer is writing in in our lives. It means that we have to understand what scripture actually means, which means it goes beyond reading scripture, but getting people to ponder on it, reflect on it, and actually study it. This can only be done, I would argue, strongly in and through your cell group discipleship. Now, if you have a strong leader, they will give you a brilliant blend of teaching you the word of God, but then giving you the opportunity of how to actually live that out. Because Bible knowledge without Bible experience is absolutely pointless. Amen? How on earth are we going to reach people with the good news of the gospel if we don't actually go out and action the things that we learn here in the building, here in our cell groups, wherever we are growing in our journey with God? Now, I know some of you are thinking, oh, you know, Scott, I've got a terrible memory. Hmm. I'm going to question you on that in a moment, but park that thought. Never forget, 
your ability and capacity to remember God's word is a gift that he has given you to utilize for his glory. Now, whether you have a good memory or a bad memory, I want to tell you this. I guarantee you, every one of us that are watching online, that are here in the room, in the church now, we all remember what is important to us. If you're married, I guarantee you know your spouse's birthday. Fact. Why? We always remember the things that are important, milestones in our lives. When we got married, when we took our first holiday, when we graduate university, when we bought our first home, all these things are important, unless you're including football results for me, which also helps, although some of the results recently haven't been so good, so I choose to forget those. But I tell you this much, you can choose to remember whatever it is that you want to remember. So if you truly want to memorize and understand and remember God's word, you will take the time and it will be for your benefit, your spiritual well-being, your overall well-being. You will take the time to understand scripture. It will become the forefront of your mind because you will do exactly what James has said. You will continuously take time to memorize it. Now, there are great side effects to memorizing scripture. It facilitates you in making healthy life decisions. It diminishes your temptation to sin. It fuels your faith. It reminds you of your identity in Christ. Make no mistake, you remembering scripture will significantly transform your thinking, your perspective, your focus, and your outlook. And, and therefore, as we realign ourselves to God's word and truth, 2 Corinthians 3.18 springs to mind. We will be transformed into his likeness with an ever-increasing glory. But which group of people get the blessing? Which group of people does James indicate that the blessings will become accessible to? Only one group, those that continue in God's word. So I encourage you this afternoon, be that group of people. Verse 26 and 27, if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. James ends this passage with very practical, provable, but also personal application points. So, every application will involve either your relationship with God, your relationship with others, or your overall personal character. And James manages to capture all three there. Verse 26 actually links to Psalm 34, verse 13. If you're making notes, it actually links to Psalm 34, verse 13, which reads, The Lord looks from the heaven, he sees all the sons of men. And verse 27 is a timely reminder of Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, which we all know well that we can be continually transformed by the renewing of our mind. So, what have we actually established and learnt today? We must actively apply the kingdom principles of God's word in every single facet of our lives. Scripture clearly gives us the difference and defines the difference between doers and non-doers of the word. So take a moment to do a self-assessment in your own life, in your own ministry, and decide if you need to make some adjustments this afternoon. I would give you two critical considerations to inform your conclusion. One, 
doers of the word are people always filled with wisdom. Now, if you're looking for more wisdom, Bible's a great place to start, but Proverbs is also a great book to get stuck into. Doers will always access the supply of God's strength during challenging seasons. We all know the story of the wise and foolish builders in Matthew 7. Non-doers are called foolish when the trials emerge. They give up instantly. Don't be like that in your Christian journey. Secondly, doers of the word always, always, always have integrity. And now I'm concerned on a personal level that integrity is a characteristic and a quality that is becoming less visible and demonstrated in sections of the church today. We circumvent God's standards of purity to meet our own standards. We sugarcoat sin in various areas of our lives and we give excuses rather than actually confess where we have subsequently fallen short. We perhaps even go further and ignore the persistent warning signs in people's characters and hearts. Now, we need to hold people accountable and then we have to find ways of moving forward in a way where integrity is at the forefront of everything that we do in our lives. Why? Non-doers of God's words are hypocrites. Now, I use that word very deliberately this afternoon. It's probably the singular most used word to describe Christians today. I guarantee you, if you were to walk down Oxford Street and stop a hundred people and ask them, what do you think about your average Christian? Give me 10 words or phrases. The word hypocrite would emerge 50% of the time or more because we don't do what we say as Christians. We don't live out what the gospel teaches us to live out. We find ourselves becoming the best defense lawyers for our own sin and the best prosecutors for the person next to us. And actually, we need to become doers of this word. But if we need further evidence, Matthew 23, verse 13 tells us, but woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces, for you neither enter yourselves nor allow those who would enter to go in. Let me be very, very clear to us this afternoon as we draw our thoughts to a close. Our actions or our inactions are a mere reflection of what you truly believe to be true in your heart. Narrow the gap between what you say you believe and what you actually believe in your heart. To be a doer of the word of God means that we must consciously permit its transforming force to change our thoughts, our attitudes, our words, our deeds, our reactions to situations, and even how we communicate with individuals. Now, on the free assumption that our deepest desire as a believer is to become more and more like Christ, we must become more and more doers of the word. Let's not fool ourselves, however. It's a lot harder than it sounds. It requires conscious effort and sacrifice. Let this sermon, anything you hear in your cell group, anything you watch online, wash over you is great. We can all clap we can all encourage the leader on what you've shared. You might even write to me after the service and say, what a great message. But has it impacted and influenced you to action, or has it merely informed and encouraged you this afternoon? I have no desire to inform and encourage you. I want to influence and impact you to step out of your comfort zone, become the man or woman of God that God has called you to be in everything that you are as a son or a daughter of the Most High God. Why? Because I know that there is gratitude in the heart of every single believer. That gratitude should cause us to live in service, 
to others, the widow, the orphan, anyone in need. That is evidence that you truly love God with all your heart, which leaves us with two options this afternoon. Conform or be transformed. Option one, take the conceited, disdainful attitude of ignoring or even worse, resisting the power of God's word. Or option two, which I pray you will affirm and endorse this afternoon. Embrace it, accept it, allow it to challenge you, change you and transform every single part of your life. So some learning outcomes for us every single time with me, you will find that these are things that you can take away from today and actually start to implement in your life. Look at your life, look at your ministry, look at what God has called you to do and ask yourself three areas to focus on. In one area of your life, are you relatable? Now, you've got to find something that is relatable to you that you can change. Something in your life that you know you need to work on that you need to change. Number two, find something that you can change that is reasonable. Don't go for, you know, pie-in-the-sky stuff. Find something that's actually achievable. So the first is you need to find something in your heart, in your life, in your character that is relatable to everyone else that's present, everyone else that you engage with. Perhaps it's an attitude, a mindset, a generational way of thinking. I'm not sure. But find something that's relatable. Share it with someone in your cell group. Number two, the action that you want to take and change, make it a reasonable one. Don't tell me you're going to be a billionaire tomorrow morning, okay? (laughs) Not if you don't tithe as well, right? You've got to tithe. That's how you'll become the billionaire. Number three, make it results-orientated, i.e., have some agreed deadlines. So often, what we start out with as a goal just becomes a mere thought that you had five years ago, that you took no action, no steps to actually implement in your life, which means you've got to discuss personal application points with other people. Get connected more intentionally to your cell group where you can learn from other believers realities that you wouldn't understand or see in yourself. The action is always in the doing. And not even in these moments can we necessarily associate movement with progress. Amen? I could walk around this entire building a thousand times and the health app on the iPhone would tell me that I've walked four kilometers or five kilometers, but I didn't go anywhere. So don't associate movement with progress. Set some goals that you can tangibly work towards in agreement with somebody in authority over you, in somebody that you trust, somebody that you can look to, and then find ways that work for you where you can track and trace the progress all the way until the results emerge in your life. Which means the best way to become a doer of the word is always to write out action steps as a result of your reading or studying on God's word. Develop the habit of writing stuff down on what you want to do and what you need to do. And so I'll leave you with a question to reflect on. What has the Lord already asked you to do to extend his kingdom that you have not started doing? Now, perhaps you're thinking, well, nothing, I'm not sure. I encourage you, write down achievable, actionable application points that will facilitate you taking steps on what you've absorbed from our time together today. Put a safety net in place. And what I mean by that is share those points with someone that can hold you accountable. Do not just think, oh, yes, I've heard that. That was great. 
and then it falls by the wayside at the end of the day or the end of next week. Authentic faith will always produce obedience. Avoid the Christians that talk the talk but don't walk the walk. The Christians that profess to have the mountain-moving faith but they're panicking about what's happening in their life tomorrow. Shallow Christians, avoid them. If you want to grow in your journey with God, you've got to track and trace your progress. You would do it in any other area of your life. If you're buying a house in five years from now, you would need to start saving, probably, or if you're in London, you'd need to start saving 20 years before, but you would save a certain amount every single month and you would track it. Your eyes would be like a hawk. If you liked somebody, you would pursue that relationship with consistency, with a desire, with intentionality. You wouldn't drop in or drop out he or she would not be dating you, right? Your relationships with your family, in, every, in your job, in your career, you want to make progress, you want to take the next step, go to the next level. You know that you'd have to take steps, so why would you not do the same in your walk with God? Ultimately, God is looking for obedient people, people that have got real faith, the faith that brings obedience. That means that you will become not just a hearer of the word, but also a doer. Why? Because the blessing is always in the doing. Amen? Amen. Praise God.